the early days. And I don't know how many of you are here that were still around back in the early 90s when the church was over on, on Twin City. But Dana and I would come down from CFNI when we were going to Bible college in Dallas, and we'd come down and, you know, I'd play on the worship team on weekends and just do what I could to help out. But we were reminiscing about all that experience of of what we did back in the 90s, how Dana and I, as a a young family, two little girls, you know, uh, uh, maybe two-year-old or three-year-old and 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 one-and-a-half-years-old, and and we would leave from Canada, from North Battleford, Saskatchewan, Canada. You know, we'd jump in our Plymouth Caravel car and, and uh, we'd drive through Saskatchewan, through North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas. We'd get, you know, down here in, 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 into Texas and we didn't have GPS. We didn't have a cell phone. You know, we had none of that stuff. We, we had a map. We had, we had the, you know, the CAA I think what you would call the AAA maps, you know, that we stopped at. And it was a really big deal when Dana was, you know, she was the navigator. It was a really big deal when she could turn that map over to the other side. We knew we had gotten somewhere. You know, once we were out of the Dakotas and, and, and you know, Nebraska and, and into Kansas, we thought, wow, we can flip the map over and we can actually see our destination. We can actually see on the map now where we're headed to. But, you know, we thought about, you know, how did we survive back then? Do you ever think that? Like, you know... We didn't have cell phones. We left, we drove, you know, 2,700 miles without a cell phone. You know, yes, it's amazing, isn't it? You, you know what I'm talking about? Back in the day, no cell phones. I mean, you know, no GPS. You just, you had the map. You, 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 you prayed, and you, in the morning, every morning, we'd leave the hotel. We'd pray, Lord, guide us, direct us, protect us, keep us safe, and we'd get on the road and travel. And, you know, nowadays, you know, you hardly make a trip to the, to the bathroom without a cell phone. So, um, and so this morning, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a fish story this morning, okay? Any fishermen in the house? Come on. I, I, now, I know there's got to be some fishermen here, okay? I haven't done a whole lot of fishing in, in Texas yet or on, on your Gulf Coast, but I've done a lot of fishing in Canada. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a little fish story this morning. But the title of this message is, You Can Get There. You can get there. And I want it to be a challenge for each of us to pursue God's purpose and God's call in our life. How many of you here this morning believe that God has a call upon your life? How many of you believe that that God has a call for you? Maybe you've veered off the path a little bit. Maybe you're not following it completely. And maybe you've got to the point where you think, yeah, well, God did have a call on my life. But, you know, that was... 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 40 years ago, it's too late. How many would say it's, you know, it's kind of gone on the wayside? You don't have to raise your hand. But I want to encourage you this morning that you can get there. Regardless of how long it's been, regardless of where you think you are, regardless of what you've done in your life, I want to tell you this morning, you can get there. Were you here last Sunday? You heard Big Zach's testimony of what his life was like. And if, and if anybody would look at him in the natural and say, man, write this guy off. But Zach, I want to tell you, God's got a call in your life. He's got a call for ministry on your life. You can get there because it's not about your past. It's about your future. And that God's more concerned. He's more interested in your future than he is about your past. The past has been dealt with at the cross. Amen? So you can get there. 
You see, we're told in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And we all go through life and we all make choices. And, and sometimes we think that we're making the right choice. Sometimes we think we're doing the right thing. It seems right at the time. But come on, let's be honest. We can identify with this. Its end is the way of death. I mean, sometimes it just didn't turn out. I mean, I've made some bad choices. I'll, I can't be honest with you. I, I, I've made some bad choices. I've done some things that I'd rather not have done. And, and now I look back on it and, you know... When, when Brittany was about, our, little, our youngest, or our oldest girl, Brittany, when she was about two years old, I built her a sandbox. Dana smirks. Men, if you're, you know, young, young, young men here, young marrieds, you know, listen to your wife. <laughs> listen to your wife, okay? So Brittany's two years old, and, and you know, I, I'm a proud father, and, and, and I want her to have a sandbox. I want her to have the toys in the sandbox, and, but I, I had a thought, I had an idea, I'll put a door on the sandbox so she doesn't have to crawl over the, no. And Danny says, that's not a really good idea. He says, well, she's just two years old. I mean, how is she going to get in the sandbox? So I put hinges, and I built this nice little door, but only then did I realize that you couldn't keep the sand in the sandbox. So... You know, I mean, yeah, we can laugh about that, but there's some things that, that, honestly, if we're all honest with ourselves, honest with each other this morning, we can say, yeah, there was a way that seemed right to me, but its end was the way of death. And after that experience, you know that you would do something differently. You know that you would, if you could go back and change it, you would, but we can't. But I want you to know that God is not looking in the rearview mirror at your past. He's more concerned about your future. Amen? I remember Dana and I, we were new pastors in a town called Leader, Saskatchewan. Small community of 900 people. And we had been commissioned to go to a, a church, the church in this town, Leader Victory Fellowship. And we had been there for about six months, and we went to a pastor's conference, and lo and behold, at this pastor's conference, we met the, a pastor who had also began his ministry at that church. Now, he had been ministering, pastoring now for about 15 years. And so at this conference, we got to talking to him and say, hey, you know, we're pastoring the church that you, you used to be in, and we've been there for about six months, and, and we had this nice, you know, conversation, greeted one another, welcomed each other, and... and uh, I said, but you know, you know, you've been in ministry now for, you know, 13, 14, 15 years kind of thing. He says, yeah. I says, you know, as, as, an, as a seasoned veteran, what kind of advice would you give to me as a young pastor? What are some of the mistakes that you've made that you tell me that you, you know, you, you tell me not to make? And this is the absolute truth. This fella, he stood back, crossed, you know, put his hand on his chin. He thought for a while. Well, he said, you know, I can't really think of anything I've done wrong. I, I, I honestly can say I've never made a mistake. Yeah, there was that pause of silence like this. <laughs> you see, if a man will never admit that he's ever made, never made a mistake. You see, this morning, I just want us to be honest with one another and truthful before you. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And, and sometimes we do get off course. Sometimes we do take a detour. And, 
and a shortcut. And, and before you know it, it's like, wow, where am I? How did I get here? You know, what am I doing? And sometimes circumstances dictate the, cho dictate the choices that we face and we try to make the best decision. But wouldn't it be best to do the right thing, going the right way? And I remember Pastor Ron's exhortation, and that's really where this message came from. This last Sunday, he gave the exhortation to do the best you can, regardless of where you are, regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you've been. If you want to serve God, if you want to get on track with God, then do the very best you can right now. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Amen? So I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Jonah. I told you I'm going to tell you a fish story this morning. We're going to look at the story of Jonah. And if, if you're familiar with it, you'll be able to find it. It's, it's in the Old Testament. It's on page 812 in my Bible. But it's right after Amos, and, it, and it's going to be before Micah. Um, if you get to Daniel, keep turning right. Okay? If you get to Malachi, turn left because you've gone too far. But you all, I, I, I'm going to give you a little background here because I can't take it for granted. I can't just assume that everybody here knows about Jonah. Jonah was an Old Testament prophet, the son of Amittai. And Amittai was also a prophet. Jonah grew up in this prophet's house. And Jonah served the Lord. Now, as an Israelite, as a Hebrew, Jonah served the living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God that we declare is the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, the God of all heaven and earth, the sea, and all their sources. But we'll find out that Jonah had a very nationalistic view of God as well. Even though they acknowledged that God was the creator of the entire earth, the creator of the universe, Jonah couldn't imagine that God's love would go beyond the borders of Israel and Judah. And one day the word of the Lord comes to Jonah and tells him, you know, go to Nineveh, that great city in Assyria, and proclaim the gospel, proclaim the good news, proclaim that they must repent, for their cry has come up to me in heaven. Now here is the, the crux of the situation that Nineveh, the city of Assyria, where the king dwells, they, they have been Israel's enemies for generations. It would be like me, you know, telling you guys here to go cheer for the Washington Nationals. You'd be, you'd be throwing stuff at me, right? It would be like telling, you know, Tom, he's got to cheer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's not going to happen. No, we're Boston Bruins fans. We've been Bru I've been Bruins fans like all of our lives, right? Yeah. And so, you know, here's Jonah. He's getting this word telling him, go to your enemy. Go to the enemies of Israel. Go to those who have been persecuting you. Go to those who have caused you trouble, who have, who have raided your fields, raided your crops, raided your wine presses. Go to those who have caused you trouble, who have, who, have, who have tried to invade you and steal your land. Go to those ones and tell them that God is merciful, that God is kind, that God wants to deliver them and set them free. And Jonah says, yeah, I'll get right on that. Hey. Okay. This is the Canadian paraphrase version. But what he does is he, he, Jonah, Jonah is raised in a, in a town in Israel called Gath Hephar. And Jonah decides he's going to go from here down to Joppa. Now Joppa is a, a seaport on the, on the Mediterranean Sea. And Nineveh is northeast, 500 miles from where he is, northeast in Assyria. 
But Jonah instead decides he's going to go down to Joppa, which at that time is the Philistine territory. So not only does he go to a Philistine territory, but it says that he pays a fare and he boards a ship that's bound for Tarshish. So he's not just making a mistake. He's not just, you know, gee, did I hear right? I don't know. He is willfully disobeying the voice of God. Instead of going this direction to Nineveh, he goes down to Joppa, pays the fare, and gets on a ship that's bound for Tarshish, which is 2,500 miles away across the Mediterranean Sea on the southern coast of Spain. You see, in his mind, he's thinking, the farthest I can get away from God, I won't hear his voice. He's a very national, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's our God. But if I get beyond Israel borders, if I get far enough away, then this call will go away. Because the last thing that Jonah wants is to see God's mercy fall upon Israel's enemies. Oh. Well, you know how the story goes, or maybe you, maybe you don't, but I'll, I'll continue with the background. Jonah gets on this ship. The ship sets sail for Tarshish. It leaves the port of Joppa and it sets sail for Tarshish. And, and the Lord causes a great storm to arise. And the mariners are saying they're toiling. They're, 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 they're getting nowhere. And, and they're trying to find out. They're crying out to their gods. They're crying out to, to their gods, you know, of what is, why is this befallen upon them? Why is this great danger, this great peril has befallen them? And in the meantime, Jonah is asleep in the hull of the ship. So the captain of the ship finds him, he wakes him up, and he says, hey, what, what are you doing down here? What, I mean, what's going on? Why are, why are you so, you know, you're sleeping here? We're in danger. And he says, who are you, and where are you from, and who is your God? And Jonah perceives that this great disaster has fallen upon them because of him, because of his disobedience. He tells the captain of the ship, I'm a Hebrew. My God is the creator of all heaven and earth and the sea. And this has befallen on, this calamity has befallen because of me, because of my disobedience. And so they bring him up top and, and you know, they're discussing what to do. And, and, you know, long story short, they, they conclude that Jonah says, you know, you've got to throw me overboard. You've got to throw me overboard. And, and, you know, even in this, even in this disobedience, as we read through, the, we'll read the scripture later, that these mariners come to the fact and acknowledge that Jonah's God is the God of heaven and earth, the sea, and all their sources. And they, and they quit crying out to their gods, and they call on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They call on the Lord Elohim El Shaddai. They call on the Lord to have mercy on them and not, you know, not charge them with the sin of throwing him overboard. See, even in Jonah's disobedience, the mission was being going forth. So they... They chuck him overboard, and the Lord, it says, the Lord provided a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Great fish. I mean, you're familiar with the story, right? And Jonah is in the belly of this great fish for three days and three nights. You can read his prayer of repentance in the Scriptures. He talks about being in the belly of Sheol, in the belly of the fish, surrounded by the water and the weeds around his head. It's quite a fish story. But after Jonah's repentance, 
It says in Scripture that the Lord caused this great fish to vomit Jonah. And that's the actual, I'm reading the New King James. We'll read it in a minute. uses that word. It vomits him up on dry land. And again, the word of the Lord spoke to Jonah. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and declare this message. And so Jonah, because of his repentance, he reaches back to his true calling. And it says that he goes into Nineveh to declare the word of the Lord. So if you found, your, if you found the book of Jonah here, we're going to read some verses, some key verses here. Jonah 1, 1 through 3. And verse 17, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Okay? Now verse 17 we're going to catch up with the story in verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Can you imagine? Would you want to put yourself in, in Jonah's shoes? Chapter 2 and verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God from the fish's belly. Let's read that again. Verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord from the fish's belly. Are you serious? It took three days and three nights before he would pray and repent? Hey, don't you think you'd be right on? I mean, as I'm going, as my feet are leaving the deck of that ship before I hit the water, I'm crying out to God, I repent. I, I, I don't know how to swim. See, this boy don't know how to swim. So before I hit the water, I'm repenting. I'm crying out to God, Lord, I've, I ask your forgiveness. I'll go. I'll go to Nineveh. But Jonah, he spent three days in the belly of this great fish. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. And here we have this prayer of repentance that Jonah prays. And verse, verse uh, 1 of chapter 3, now the, you know, the Lord spoke to the fish, it vomited Jonah onto dry land in verse 10 of chapter 2, but in verse, three, uh, verse 1 of chapter 3, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So here we are, we're going to look at three points. Three points from this fish story that we can all apply to our lives because this morning, I want you to leave here fully convinced that regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you've done, you may have willfully disobeyed God, or you may have just made a mistake. And you think you might be off track a little bit, and maybe you're not really on the course that God has ordained for you that you want to be on. I want you fully persuaded when you leave here today that you can get there. You see, number one, God's love reached out to Jonah right where he was at. Right where he was at. 
As soon as Jonah repented, as soon as Jonah repented, it says in, in uh, Jonah 3 verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. See, he was not where he was when God first spoke to him. He didn't go back to his hometown. He didn't go, even go back to Israel's borders. It was where the Lord, the Lord caused that fish to vomit him up on dry land. But the word of the Lord came to him again and spoke to him again and called him again and reaffirmed his calling, reaffirmed who he was after he prayed that prayer of repentance and the Lord caused the fish to spit him up, to vomit him up on, on dry land. God's love reached out to him, to Jonah, right where he was at. He didn't have to go back to where he was for God to speak to him again. God spoke to him right where he was at. See, his destiny had not changed. Yes, his mind had changed, but his destiny had not changed. God's calling is irrevocable, we're told in Scripture. The gift and calling of God is without repentance. But what it took was repentance on Jonah's part to recognize that he had maybe taken some steps in the wrong direction. And I want to encourage you here this morning that if you feel that God's forsaken you, that if you feel that God's done with you, that God couldn't use you, I want to tell you that's a lie from the enemy. That's a lie from Satan himself because you can never get too far from God that if you repent that his love won't reach out to you and restore you and refresh you and renew you and call you back into service for his kingdom. He's a loving, merciful God. He's more concerned about your future than he is about our past. He's dealt with our past at the cross. And the blood of Jesus washes all of our sin away. You see, God's love reached out to Jonah right where he was at. As soon as he repented and that great fish vomited up on, onto that dry land, the Lord spoke to him again, go to Nineveh, go to Nineveh, preach the word of the Lord to Nineveh. See, his calling was the same. The gift and calling of God was without repentance. It was irrevocable. And I want to tell you this morning, your disobedience will never take you so far that you can't get back to God's will if you repent. We, we heard it last Sunday. Big Zach's testimony. I'm sure we can all identify with that. We've all done something that we, that we would be ashamed of, that we wouldn't want to carry on in our lives. But when we repent, God reaches out to us. The Lord reaches out to us with those nail-scarred hands to whosoever will come. Whosoever will come. See, he promises in his word, he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Amen. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And see, and after boarding this ship and sailing in the complete opposite direction from God's will, I mean, he, this guy was, he didn't just, you know, he didn't just make a mistake. He didn't just, you know, make a small error. He boarded the ship and he was sailing. His intent was to go 2,500 miles in the opposite direction of where God wanted him to be. But God, in his mercy and in his grace, delivered his life from destruction. And he deposited Jonah on dry land within walking distance of Nineveh. Because he says to him in, in verse 1 of chapter 3, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. And in verse 3 it says, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. This, I mean, this was a large city. We're told at the end of Jonah that the Lord says to Jonah, there's 120,000 people in this city of Nineveh, plus all their animals, the beasts. And what the Lord is saying to Jonah, he says, I'm the God of the heaven and earth, the sea and all their sources, and I'm a good God, I'm a merciful God, I'm a kind God. 
And I want all of my creation to know me. So that's the message that he declares to us today. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the creator of all heaven and earth, the sea and all their sources. And he wants everyone to know his goodness. That's why this team is in India right now. That's why we, we go to Russia. That's why we have churches in Russia. That's why we have you know, ministries in Africa, in India, in Russia, in the Philippines, in Thailand, around the world. That's why we do what we do. Because there's a, there's a world out there, a generation of souls that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need to know that our God is good, that He loves them, that He cares, and that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But see, even though Jonah willfully walked away, the goodness and the mercy of God kept tugging at him, kept tugging at him, kept tugging at him. Romans 8, verses 38 and 39 say, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, don't let the devil lie to you. Don't let the devil tell you that you've gone too far. Don't let him convince you that you've gone too far, that you can't make it. I'm here today to tell you, you can get there. You can get there. Put your faith, your hope, your trust in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Allow him to do a work of restoration, healing, and deliverance in your life. See, God's love, that, that's point number one. God's love reaches out to him. He'll reach out to you right where you are at today. Amen? Number two, you don't have to be perfect. That might be a revelation to some of you, but you don't have to be perfect. I mean, this story of Jonah tells us that in, its, in and of itself. But even after he's restored, even after he's repented, and God reaffirms the call of, upon his life to go to Nineveh and preach, the, preach uh, uh, the message of repentance to Nineveh, do you think Jonah was perfect? Now, the fishermen that are here this morning that raised your hands, yeah, let's see them again. There's one thing that I do when I'm fishing with, you know, in Canada is that when I catch a fish, quite often I'll, I'll gut it, I'll open it up. I don't want to gross anybody out this morning. Sorry, Melinda, but I'll open the fish's belly to see what they've been feeding on. Anybody here do that? You know, because we want to know what they're feeding on, right, as fishermen. So we, we gut the fish, we open their belly, we cut their stomach open, and we see what they've been feeding on. And I've caught some nice northern pike and some big walleye and stuff. And, and quite commonly, there'd be what we would call in Canada a perch, a yellow perch inside the belly of this northern pike, this jackfish, okay? But let me tell you something. The yellow perch, I can identify it because of its fins. I can identify it because of its shape, because of its size. But the yellow perch, and it's not longer yellow because it's been in the belly of that jackfish and the stomach acids and the, the, whatever's going on in the digestive system, that perch doesn't look yellow anymore. Okay, so Jonah's been in the belly of this great fish for three days. Three days and three nights. And then this fish vomits him up onto dry land. God reaffirms the call, go to Nineveh. So Jonah gets up and he marches into Nineveh proclaiming, Repent, repent, repent. Do you think Jonah looked perfect? Do you think Jonah 
even smelled perfect. And, you know, I mean, it just goes with the story. I apologize before, but you just have to say it. You know how, how in, in, the, in, in the Middle East, you know, when you got to the gates of the city, that's where all the leadership would take place. And the, and the men and women, they, they conduct their affairs, their business affairs. They would conduct transactions at the gates of the city. And I could see Jonah, I just pictured in my mind, he's marching into this city past these gates where all these leaders, the political leaders are there, these civic leaders are there. And he's crying, repent, repent, repent. They're looking at him and they're wondering, who, who is this guy? What's going on? I don't know. There's something about him. I can't put my finger on it, but there's something fishy about this guy. <laughs> I, I Paul, it's Canadian humor. But you see, we get this mindset that we think we've got to be perfect, right? I mean, don't you? Listen, if I, 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 I love Pastor Ron. He's my pastor. I consider him a mentor. But I can't be Pastor Ron. I've got to be myself. You can't be anybody else. Yes, we love and respect and we want to emulate them. We want to, to receive from them and, 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 and have them train us and, and mentor us. I mean, I, I, Pastor Ron, I, I consider him my pastor for almost 30 years, even though I've been pastoring elsewhere. But listen, I've got to be myself. You've got to be yourself. And you can't be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. Don't think you have to have all your T's crossed, all your I's dotted, all your ducks in a row before you can step back into the purpose and plan of God for your life. God spoke to Jonah and called him right from where he was to get back into the race. Get back in the race. And Jonah entered that race. It wasn't, oh, I'm not worthy. I should have, I could have, I would have. No, God's more concerned with your future than your past. Lamentations 3 and 21 through 24 says, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord, it says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I hope in Him. Church, you don't need to be perfect, but what we do need to do is remind ourselves each and every day that God's mercy is new every morning. Let's remind ourselves each and every day that God is faithful, that God is faithful to us, you see. We think we've got to be perfect. We think we've got to have everything lined up, everything all in a row. And sometimes it's, it, we get caught in this trap because we do judge by appearance, don't we? We'll judge by appearance. I mean, we're, we're told in Scripture Man judges by the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. It's just one of those things that we fall into. But church, if you get caught up in that trap of comparing yourself with somebody else and always trying to, to measure up to their status, the enemy will use that against you. Be who God called you to be. Do what God has called you to do as a unique individual with the gifting and calling of God upon your life. See, I believe God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us in His kingdom. Just like this team that's off in India, they're the players on the field. Some of us are the prayers. Some of us are the stayers. Some of us are the payers. But we all have something to do in God's kingdom to advance His kingdom and His plan and His purpose. So you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be willing. So Jonah repented. And the call of God was renewed and refreshed, reaffirmed in his life. 
Number three, start every day fresh. Start every day fresh. See, Jonah, it says Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, verse 3 of, of Jonah, chapter 3, verse 3. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. See, he arose and went to Nineveh. He didn't argue with God. Well, you know, God, I, I'd like to go now. I, yes, I would. I've repented, but... You know, look at me now. Here I am, you know, I've been vomited up on this beach and I don't really look really good. I, 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 you know, there's, how many of you could come up with reasons why not to go? Hey? But let's start every day fresh. Let's forget about our past. And let's move forward. Let's move forward. You see, the Apostle Paul said, you know, I'm not going to count any of these things, but I'm going to march forward. I'm going to go forward. I'm going to go forward. Reaching and you know, reaching out for the high calling of God upon my life, and he was even willing to to leave the triumphs and the victories behind, and not count them, because he he knew that God had a, a greater call. God had more for him to do. So regardless of where we've been, regardless of what we've done, maybe we've not missed it. Maybe we've been on track all along, but we can't count on yesterday's victories. Yes, thank God for them, but we must still go forward and go ahead because God is not finished with us yet. We must start every day fresh. Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. He didn't add up the message. He didn't argue saying, I'm not worthy. I should have, could have, would have. See, and as we read this scripture in Lamentations, he said, therefore I hope in him. Why? Because the Lord's mercies were new every morning. But you know, that verse is still good for us today. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope through the Lord's mercies because they're renewed and refreshed every morning. Hey, great is His faithfulness. How many of you are aware of that today? His mercy is new every morning for you. He is faithful, new, fresh. You know, live in that freshness of it each and every day. Maybe you didn't mess up yesterday. Maybe you had a great day. But today can be an even greater day. Amen? And it's because of His mercy, because of His grace, that we don't mess up. You see, we're told in Scripture, in Malachi 3, 6, it says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. And, and you know, I got to studying that, you know, he is the Lord. He does not change. We're told in Hebrews that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the reason we are not consumed, the reason that we are not consumed is because He does not change. And when we realize that He doesn't change, then we can go back to Lamentations 3, 21 through 24 and say, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. You can make it personal. Through the Lord's mercies, I am not consumed because His compassions fail not. Why? Because He never changes. His mercy that He's talking about here in Lamentations is available for us today. The, that He doesn't change is available for us today. His mercy is new every morning. His compassions fail not. That's new. That's fresh for us today. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So we can say, as the writer of Lamentations, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in Him. See, start every day fresh. Start every day fresh. His mercy is available for you each and every day. His compassion is available to you each and every day. For He is the Lord. He does not 
change. See, the Lord is your portion. You can get there. Amen? You can get there. A few years ago, Dana thought I needed help with getting directions. So she bought me a GPS. And I know a lot of vehicles come standard with GPS, but at the time I was, I was driving a pickup truck and, you know, she got me a GPS, uh, I think it was at a Black Friday sale, something like that, hey? And, uh, you know, the GPS works great as long as you connect it with the satellite, right? And then you put in your destination. They work great, don't they? How many of you got GPS in your car? And it'll tell you where to go, right? It, it tells you you can put in the destination. As long as you attach it, as long as you make connection with that satellite, then it will, you know, put in the destination and it'll give you a route right to there. But have you ever gotten off track? Hey, how many of you, come on, be honest. Have you ever gotten off track? With, you know, what does it do? Is your voice, does it speak to you in American English or, Canadian or Australian or Britain or whatever? But whatever voice that's speaking to you, it starts to recalculate and refresh, right? But it never sends you right back to the beginning to start all over again. But sometimes in the church, you know, in the body of Christ, we get that mentality that we think, okay, I've repented. I've, I've, I've repented for my sin. I've told God I'm going to be obedient and faithful. I want to, to walk in His gifting and calling again and, and serve Him. But I've got to go right back to where I was before when that original call happened. And I want to tell you this morning, just as in, the, as in Jonah, you can start fresh today. Let, let the Lord refresh your course. You don't have to go back to the beginning. Now, this is... I, I can, uh, how, can I, how can I put this? Um, you know that I worked casual at, at a hospital in Canada and pastoring and working part-time at a hospital. And I worked in the mental health therapies department. We had two young ladies that were social workers that worked in, in our department. And one day they took out a CVA. A CVA is, is a, a hospital company vehicle. And they were going, let's say, the equivalent from Nederland, right where we are in Beaumont, say right where we are in Beaumont, they were going to go to Bridge City, and then from Bridge City they were going to go to Vider, then from Vider back to Beaumont, okay? That's kind of the equivalent. They had a triangle. They had, they had to go from North Battleford to Saskatoon, about 80 miles, you know, but another 80 miles to Prince Albert and then back to North Battleford, this little triangle that they were driving in. And these cars had GPS in them and everything. And so we calculated the mileage, and they, you know, they're going to rough, roughly do 240 miles, and we give them a little bit extra, you know, for meals and going for restaurants, whatever. So 250, 255, 260 miles most, okay? Well, they came back that evening with this vehicle, and they had put almost 400 miles on it. And so the lady that's in charge of the CVA, she's saying, well, where did you women go? What did you do? Well, we went to Saskatoon. Then we came back. And then we went to Prince Albert and came back. And we looked at them and said, well, what do you mean? You know, you can get to PA. You know, it's like you can get from Bridge City to Vida without having to come back to Beaumont. 
That kind of thing, you know. Oh, no, we didn't do that. No, no, we came right back to North Battleford. You see, they thought they had to come back to their original destination to get to the next place. Highly educated, I mean, college degree women, but not, not you know, not, not, individuals. But see, you don't have to go back to start to get to where God wants you to go next. Amen? You can allow Him to refresh your course along the way. And knowing how to reach your destination from where you are is more useful than knowing how to reach it from where you were. Let me say it again. Knowing how to reach your destination from where you are now is more useful than knowing how to reach it from where you once were. We don't have to get back to the beginning to start all over. We can allow God to refresh our course right where we are, right here, right now. You can get there. We, all we need to do is focus on getting to where we are, where God, what God's call and His election is in our lives. You see, God's love reaches out to us right where we're at today. Regardless of our mess-ups. His love reaches out to us. The gifting and calling of God is without repentance. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. If we will walk in obedience and faithfulness to Him, if we will give Him that heart of repentance, He reaches out to us with those nails guard hands that to whosoever will come and partake. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all your ducks lined up in a row, every T crossed, every I dotted. Yeah, that's nice. Looks good. But God can take care of that. God can take care of that. He knows the gifting and the calling that He's placed within you. He knows that what you need to get the job done, and He's placed His Spirit within you, within this earthen vessel. And you know, as we were worshiping Him this morning, talking about the King of Kings and the Lord, singing about there's no other name, there's a greater name than the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And yet God has chosen to dwell within these earthen vessels by His Spirit. You don't have to be perfect because the perfect one dwells within you. And He'll empower you and He'll anoint you to fulfill the task that He's given you. And church, start every day fresh. Start every day fresh, relying on His mercy and grace and forgiveness. Whether yesterday was great or whether yesterday was terrible, you can start every day fresh knowing that He is your portion, that He never changes. His mercy is new every morning. His compassions fail not. And He is the faithful one.